Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of 72 Weeks. My name is Daniel and I'm the Head of Outreach and Communications here at New College, which is part of the University of Oxford. Now this podcast is called 72 Weeks as that's the average length of an undergraduate degree course at Oxford. And each episode I'll be talking to two people about how life can change and indeed has changed during that relatively short period of time. Each episode, the people interviewed will have a common thread, or indeed threads, um, that they share with the other person. And this week, I'm delighted to be joined by current New College undergraduate Lewis and New College graduate Karim. And my two guests have several commonalities, um, both studied and did study PPE at New College, both hail from Liverpool and both attended the same school, Calderstones, and both are Evertonians. What do both of you think the future holds for Everton? What needs to happen this summer? Let you answer first, Karim. <laughs> it can't possibly be worse next season. Um, I think the age of the squad needs radical uh, rehaul. I think we spent a lot of money on older players that we need to get rid of um, and uh, trust youth. But I think that's what Frank Lampard is, has been his big selling point. So we'll see. I think Lampard is like a, actually a very good manager for us. Because I think the, the thing about him is he gets Everton. Uh, we've got a new director of football. So I'm confident we won't be in that position ever again. And I don't think I could do it again, to be fair. Because throughout last term and the early weeks of this term, I couldn't work from from morning on a Saturday when we were playing because I was like Everton are playing. Like, How's it going to go? Do you know it wasn't uh, it wasn't conducive to a good work schedule. And when you say Lampard gets Everton, what 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 do you mean by that? What I mean by that is like, and I think Karim, you, you will probably know what I'm talking about. Everton is a strange bunch of fans. Our fans like they will celebrate a throw in or like you know, a tackle or something like that just as much as a goal. And the thing with us is, we, you know, we don't want it all the time be the best. We just want to see that they're playing for the badge. Frank, he, uh, you know, when when we scored our equaliser and our winner against Palace, you could see how happy it made him. So, and he even broke his hand celebrating one of our wins earlier in the season. So, you know, he's willing to suffer for us. There is something about Everton fans being uh, perpetually. Uh I guess patronised and overlooked which makes us uh, I guess hard to understand if you're coming from outside the city and coming from outside the Everton sort of family um, so I think it's uh, it is good that we've got a manager who who uh, says all the right things and who's and who gets the gets the club but um, I, I also <laughs> I also think that there have been times when uh, you, you wish for a bit more tactical nails as well um, so we'll see. Liverpool I think is a is a it's a special city you know as somebody who's not from Liverpool obviously it's got an atmosphere um, that is quite unique, I feel. So, Lewis, what was it like growing up in Liverpool? What were your school days like? What was your community like? Yeah, so uh, I think you're absolutely right. It's got its own special character. And, you know, we're not the biggest city in the UK, but we're certainly one of the most well-known. And I think that's testament to, you know, the people of Liverpool. And I uh, grew up in South Liverpool by uh, Allerton Road, it's quite. I loved it to be fair. Like, just I can't say anything other than that. Really, about like growing up in Liverpool. I grew up two minutes from Penny Lane, and uh, John Lennon did indeed go to both my schools. So, got the Beatles connection there. You've got, it's, you know, the culture, the football. Uh, so yeah, it's a brilliant place. And when I'm here, I miss it a lot. And then I get back, 
see all the sights and then I'm like, right, I've had my I've had my fix of Liverpool, I'm ready to do another eight weeks in Oxford. And you do bear a, quite a resemblance to a young John Lennon, I think. Well, I've been told this. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned this to me the other <laughs> week and ever since then I've been canvassing opinion on that. I asked people, I was like, I've been told to look like John Lennon. And I do have an auntie who is convinced that I'm the spitting image of him. To be fair, I played him in the school play in year two. So I must have been I must have been picked for the resemblance because at that age I wasn't picked for my talent. <laughs> and Karim, what about you? Because you would have grown up in Liverpool at a very different period of time. Um, what, what were your memories of Liverpool growing up? The thing about Liverpool is it's always been a really, really diverse place. It's a port. Um, so, you know, it's got the oldest Chinese community in Britain outside of London and it's got, there were a lot of Chinese kids in, in my year. Um, people from all over the world, lots of different languages spoken. My mum taught in one of the other schools up the road where um, I think something like 40% of kids didn't have English as a first language. But because Liverpool is an incredibly uh, welcoming place, an incredibly diverse place, it, f- it always felt like you, you were free to be different. Um, and you were free to sort of stand out um, and to do your own thing. You know, it, it is a it is a kind of free thinking and uh, diverse and enthusiastic place. Um, and but also somewhere that, you know, certainly when I was born in 1980 and going forwards, you know, we had a real tough tough time um, throughout the 80s and had been having a tough time for a while by that point. Um, so what's been what was really gratifying over the last sort of maybe twenty years is just seeing Liverpool become much more of a, a place that people aspire to go to and live in, and uh, which it just wasn't um, thirty years ago. Yeah, it's definitely on the up. I mean, we had the new shopping centre built, Liverpool One. You've probably seen that when you visited. But we, it's things like we were capital of culture in two thousand and eight, and ever since then, really, we kind of on an upward trajectory. It's it's a place now that I, I'm happy that it's not somewhere that I've completely written off, you know, after uni, I'd, 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 like, I'd consider going back to Liverpool, whereas I think it's sad to say, but in the past, I'd probably have been like, no way, going to have to go and, you know, probably go to London or somewhere like that. So that's what I like about it at the moment. And you you both mentioned there that you went to the, the same school called Stones. Um, Lewis, what were you like in secondary school? Um, so, yeah, th- that's a good question. I was probably quite nerdy looking back. Like, people probably remember me as quite a studious guy. But I like to think that, like, I, I was never, um, never too in the books to not have a laugh. Uh, so, yeah, I was very small. I was like, I didn't grow until I was about 15. So, I was always known as like the little kid with the glasses who had the high-pitched Scouse voice. Um, so, yeah, but I loved school. Like, um, it was obviously really enjoyed my school days. Um, I stayed there for sixth form. I could have left, to be fair, but I decided, no, I, I love it here, so why would I leave? Um, so, yeah, and, I, and I'm proud, actually. I never ended up in detention once, so I was well-behaved oh, guy. Point. But, I mean, I had my name on the board a few times, but I always seemed to charm my way out of detention, so... <laughs> Karim, what about you? Well, it's funny you mentioned getting your name on the board. I remember um, when they brought in the system of writing your name on the board, they said, we're going to change the way you were doing discipline and, and all this, and they explained it to us, and you, 
your name on the board and a certain and one tick meant five minute detention and mm-hmm. one the second tick made half an hour. I remember them bringing all that in. I mean, I was I was a bit more I was more of a sort of outgoing type at, at school. I did all the school plays. I did all. I was in a band for we did three gigs. We were terrible. What was your band called? <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't ask. That. <laughs> <laughs> we were called the Bass Turds. <laughs> Um, which and we one of the reasons the band broke up was we couldn't agree whether it was all one word or two words, um, and the but the, off, one of our first gig was in the school hall um, for a, a battle of the bands, but I, I always felt that I hadn't I, I'd kind of coasted through school, but when I look back, actually partly due to my mum being obsessive um, and a teacher herself, so she couldn't exactly be at home, um, I didn't miss a day of school. Or, and wasn't late for the whole of sort of the first you know, year 11, year 7 to year 11. Um, and I've got some certificates somewhere for that. So I can't have been that bad. I can't have been coasting that much if I was there all the time. I was at least absorbing something. Um, so, yeah. To, to be fair, I, I lived way closer than Karen. I uh, haven't spoken to him about where he, where he lived. I only lived five minutes from school, but I was like perennially late especially <laughs> in sixth form I'd walk in every morning and get the knowing look from my teachers and be like, what time do you call this but somehow I'd get away with it yeah less, less said about punctuality in sixth form the better I suppose. Yeah. yeah how's your getting up in the morning routine improved now that you're a student well, well I think uh, you might know the answer to this after I've told a few people on my step up tours but um it certainly has not really. I'm much more of a nighttime worker. You'll find me in the library at two a.m. Uh, but that's just the way. Like I've always, it's always worked to me. I think it comes back to lockdown when like uh, we were there, and obviously I've got a little brother. He's twelve now. Uh, you know, in lockdown, I would have work to do, but I'd see him playing football in the garden. I'd be like, well. I can't leave him to go and play on his own, do you know what I mean? So I'd go out and play with him or do X, Y and Z. And then I'd get to about 10 o'clock at night and go, well, I've actually got to work now, now that the house is quiet and everyone's asleep. So then I just started working late and just carried that through, really. And, yeah, I, I don't like to... I feel like I get a lot of FOMO in the day. I, I don't like missing out on the idea that, like, there's a shop or there's an activity going on that I can't visit or do, so... I like to, in the daytime, do that stuff. Get up, sleep in a bit till half ten, eleven. It's nice. Karim just raised his eyebrows there. Those are the days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're long gone for long, long gone for me with two kids. But um, God knows how I would have fared these days with all the kind of distractions that people have got with smartphones and 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 you know much you know internet access and all that kind of stuff, which to, was not as. Uh, wasn't as robust back in the day. We didn't have as much stuff to to, to distract us with. So um, so yeah, I don't I actually don't envy people trying to focus on work now as students that, these days. And at what point did the both of you think I'm going to apply to Oxford University because you know the northwest of England is an underrepresented region in this university. So what made you think I'm going to go for this? Yeah. So you're absolutely right. It's very underrepresented um, and I think you know that's a big issue that needs to be addressed and the thing what probably got me to apply was having been on the step up tour you know I remember you coming to my school in year 11 Dan and um, you know I've been selected teachers like you've been selected for this program 
uh, there's 20 of us on it, and I was like, oh, this is cool, like, what's this? And then found out a bit more about it, found out I got a free trip to Oxford involved in a few days off school. So I was like, this is this is lovely stuff, and obviously I hadn't heard much at all about Oxford, so uh, it was probably when we visited Oxford and I saw it and I looked around, I was like, well, this is very, very nice. But I must say, there's one anecdote where I, I always bring back up when I'm talking about what made me, what made me, like, at that moment, I thought I'll apply here, and it was, when I came here, there was a girl, and she had a very strong the accent. And I had thought, one of my preconceptions of it was like, oh, if you have an accent, there's no way you fit in here. You know, you've got, you've got to have one of these posh RP accents from the southeast. And um, so it was when she was taking us around and she was talking with this, this broad accent, so I was like, oh, hang on a minute, like... You know, maybe I can work having an accent and coming to Oxford and then... So that was the point at which I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to do it. And uh, so, yeah, I loved that trip. That was th- three and a bit years ago now. And it's uh, I, I always love thinking back and thinking, like, you had no idea that you would apply and you would get in and you would have such a brilliant time here. So it's a fond memory of mine. Krim, what about you? When did Oxford first come into your radar? Um, so we we were really lucky uh, in my year uh, at school, um, and, and I think a few years either side of that as well. That there was a, a head of sixth form at the time, uh, Mr. McDonough, um, who I think has retired relatively recently, and he was uh, really passionate about getting kids from our school to be as ambitious as possible with their university applications and to push themselves and stretch themselves. Um, and so he took a minibus, he drove a minibus down in his own time. Uh, down to an open day um, I think it was at Balliol College um, and it was you know we stayed overnight um, I think even maybe maybe more than one night um, we had a you know a day of uh, sort of just looking around the college meeting some of the tutors talking about some of the subjects that they taught and so on um, and there was a, a unusually I think that year there was a bit of a critical mass of us um, I think that really helped because it, it just raised our um, sense of uh, a bit, maybe a bit of com- competitiveness, but more importantly, just sort of made it feel real and made it feel like people you knew were going. And you kind of felt, well, some of us will get in because enough of us are applying that you said, well, actually, if, if someone in this group can get in, I can get in because I'm as, you know, these are my peers in my school and I can do as well as them. And so it was. It was a really, you know, I was very lucky. Um, as it happened, I, I didn't actually get in that year. Um, I, um, uh, it's a long story, but um, we one thing that we didn't know was how to do the applications particularly well um, and how to go through the interviews and, uh, and all of that. And I just felt I hadn't really hadn't given a good account of myself. Um, uh, and so when I got all the grades, um, just and I was off I, by complete chance was offered a job. Uh, for a year um, I just thought you know what I'm going to give it another go um, and so I applied again the following year whilst I was on my year uh, working and working in a, in a school in France um, and chose new college because by that point I'd figured out that there was this thing called the internet where you could look at the different uh, t- tutors and, and, and look at what they taught and look at what they did and A that would help you with the interview because you'd know what to expect you'd know who you were going to meet um, which I had no idea you could do before. Um, and, and second of all, 
Um, it just looked like they were a really interesting bunch of tutors teaching interesting stuff. So that's what I that's what I made my decision on. But as I said, you know, I, it hadn't occurred to me the year before when I was applying that you could even do that. And Lewis, obviously, you were part of the Step Up program, which was connected to New College. But was were there any other reasons why you picked New College? Um, so yeah, actually, because I, I obviously it helped that um, I had visited in person, and obviously my year was all online open day situation by the time it came around to actually applying and stuff but the thing i loved about new college was like the sense of like even though this is a big college and it's it's one of the oldest ones everyone seems to be very cohesive together and that's what i liked and i think the thing that like epitomizes that almost is the fact that we have an english motto which is man is maketh man most if not all colleges, I believe, have got a Latin motto. And when I heard the story behind why it was why it was an English motto, that, that like affirmed what I'd already been thinking. And so the story is that like um, you know, it's supposed to be that anyone can understand it and anyone can come here and, you know, study, have as long as you're intelligent and you have these manners, which is not just being polite, but it's also kind of a way of, you know, who you are, things like that. So I fell in love with it, but after hearing that, I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's a very sweet, uh, like, approach to education. I think that falls in line with, like, what I, what I and most other people would agree with as well. It's not about who you are or where you've come from, but it's about, uh, you know, just, just you. Which also ties in with the idea of having an accent. You know, we want we want everybody to be themselves, and and your accent is part of of who you are. Um, now you both study and studied PPE, um, so philosophy, politics, and economics. Why did you both choose that degree course? By the time I came to applying for it, it was a bit of a no-brainer for me. So I've always loved kind of current affairs. My parents like to whip up the anecdote that I was reading the paper since I was seven years old and stuff. I, Maybe it wasn't that young, but I was doing the crossword and stuff like that. I was always doing these kind of, you know, keeping up with what's going on. And um, But it was mainly after, after like, doing my GCSEs, I realised that I liked kind of business. So I did business with uh, Mr Jenkins, and then he was like, oh, you should do economics A-level. I think you'd really like it. And I looked at, what you know, what is economics? I was 15, I didn't know. Um... But then I realised, yeah, this actually sounds like what I like. You know, I always watch the news with my dad, I hear about this stuff. I'd like to know more about it. Uh, obviously very interested in politics and the history and things like that. Karim, why did you pick PPE? So somebody had mentioned, I think it was my, my dad or something had said, because I was sort of saying, oh, you know, I must have been in my teens. And I was sort of saying, oh, well, you know, I'd have, everyone's sort of talking about what they want to go, go and do at uni and... You know, I just, I, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really sort of found a course. I was like, oh, I could do. I was always into, the, you know, same as, same as Lewis, into reading the paper and, you know, current affairs and all that kind of stuff. So oh, I could go and do politics, but that's a bit, you know, is it, do you really study politics on its own? Or I could go and do, um, you know, economics, but I don't, don't really, not really good at maths and on its own, which, you know, uh, it's a long story, but uh, didn't, I, I regret now not, not pursuing that. But the, um, the, 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 
he sort of said, oh, there's this degree PPE that a lot of people sort of who went into sort of the political world have done or have gone into journalism or have gone into whatever have done and, you know, he didn't he didn't study in the UK so he didn't know much about it but um, he sort of said I'd heard of this thing so I sort of started looking into it um, and it did just sort of really chime that you know without closing any doors it opened a lot of doors in terms of what you could go and do um, and, I, and actually if I think back to the people that I studied with PPE you know there's one guy here is an academic who specializes in like political philosophy there's a guy who's working on um, uh, sort of basically the technology for the NHS in a particular part of the UK there's a guy who's a senior civil servant in the home office someone's gone into politics someone's you know if if you think about all the different things you know some some people are kind of trained economists and and all that kind of stuff there's just people doing all sorts of different things and there is a common thread in there of um, in a sense, public service of some kind, or public, you know, the kind of public debate around particular issues, or delivery of services, or, or whatever it might be. But there's there is a common thread there. But it's it's so it opens so many different doors that you can really pursue, and that you build the degree yourself as you go. And it's the closest I think that you get to some of those sort of liberal artsy colleges where you. You know, you don't study anything in particular. You build your own personalised sort of degree, um, and that's the thing that PPE I think allows you to do. It allows you to, you know, certainly you do your first year, everyone does the same roughly, but then in the second and third year, you can really kind of build who you are um, and who you want to be um, by focusing on different aspects of whether it's economics or philosophy or politics. Yeah, I think it's got this. It's got a bit of a reputation. It's one of the few degrees PPE like its reputation precedes it almost. And it does have this perception, people do have the perception that it's, you know, a bit of a pipeline, private school, PPE, Westminster. But as Karim said, you know, you just heard there, there's so many things you can you can do with it. And that's what I'm excited to explore. I've just chose my options, like second year. I'm getting rid of philosophy, I'm sorry to say. Um, but that's only because I love the other two so much, not because I particularly hate it. I did. Um, I did the opposite. I, well, no, sorry. I did initially. I got rid. Of, I said, "Oh no, philosophy. You know, it's, I'll, I'll focus on politics and economics. I'll be all practical." And realised that it was a real problem that I didn't have A level maths, like a real, real problem. So I went on my way back to college. I went and bought a black roll neck sweater and walked in and said, "Oh, I've really decided. I've taken a massive interest in philosophy. Can I? Uh, <laughs> can I get? Can I switch to philosophy, please?" And the sweater is just a <laughs> crucial part. It was the of thing the that aesthetic. really. But as I say, you know, you can really choose who you want to be and and what kind of degree you want to take. Um, and uh, yeah, I I I, um, I think yeah, I think they've they've tightened up slightly on the admissions criteria around the maths uh, since the days when I did it. And in terms of making that transition, how did you find? moving away from home you know moving you know it's a considerable distance coming from Liverpool down to Oxford yeah so it's it's about you know three or four hours drive for one so it's far away you can call yourself a southerner for the first time in your life for two whether or not the people back home like that um but as I say it's 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 definitely it's a, it's an adjustment that I you know hadn't really stayed away from home for that long all of a sudden you, you everything is on you laundry we're lucky though that at Oxford we have there's a lot of support systems in place. So obviously the big one is the food system. So you can get your food every night in the college hall. Uh, they also have scouts who 
lovely people who come in and clean your room once a week. Uh, so you should explain what a scout is there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's it's not a the, bit of a strange it, it, thing. It's not the actual scout. Yeah. 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 yeah, they could be a bit harsh and if the local, they got the local yeah. Scouts got the you know, cleaner students' bedrooms badge. You know. I know. That'd be a strange badge. Yeah. Um, but so what, yeah, what so, is a scout? So, so, Explain a what's scout that. scout is uh, basically a, someone employed by college to come in and keep your keep your room and your like communal living areas and stuff uh, very nice and tidy. So we have a lovely scout, Ronnie. Uh, every staircase or so as their own like scout that manages them you see them around you oh hello and all that it's just nice another face another friendly face around college who isn't kind of a tutor who's chasing you for work that was due in half an hour ago Uh, but that hasn't happened too much I must say luckily but yeah in terms of you know as as I say, it's 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 an adjustment, but it's one that you, you get on with. And I'm looking forward next year. Actually, we have a kitchen in our second year accommodation. Uh, so looking forward to learning to cook this summer and probably botching it when I get to cooking on my own next year. We'll see how that moves. You it's, know. it's not the cooking, it's the washing up. <laughs> That's the killer. Yeah, yeah. it's... I think move for for me moving. I mean, I've not I've not moved back to Liverpool. I've been back for a few months at a time, whatever. Um, I'd already been away for a year um, teaching in France um, before I started. Which I think was really helpful, but it was actually <laughs> for me because I was teaching in this small town in France and I was living on my own in a bed sit um, and people weren't really up for going out in the week and at weekends, you know. Um, people had their own sort of family stuff to do and whatever so I spent it was quite a sort of lonely year so when I got to college it was like full spectrum kind of socializing from all directions and actually I felt found that 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 was probably the thing that I found the most hard to juggle was just the fact that you are in a place and I think it's true for students everywhere you're in a place with a whole load of new friends that you've just met from all over the country, from all over the world in many cases, who are all really, really interesting people who are studying similar things to you or different things to you. Um, and you're in this place and you've got work to do, but it's very flexible. You can do it when you want. Um, you've got lots of opportunities. For some people, it's you know the first time you've got any money in your pocket, even though it's far from enough. Uh, you know, you've got your own you've got budget for yourself, for your food and for your drink and for your, uh, you know, your travel and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that is the one of the most exciting things about it and it's one of the reasons why people really say that moving away for university is really really important because it is a massive learning experience but there's no hiding from the fact that it's a steep steep learning curve lewis have you met many other students from merseyside whilst you're here so yeah actually i think i may have told you about this but what we did was and i actually really really like love it and these are some people that I really value that I've met um, as part of my Oxford experience because they were one of the first groups that I met. So after results day, uh, before we actually came to Oxford, me and a lad who's also from Liverpool, who's at New College, who I got in touch with with the Freshers WhatsApp chat, which are infamous nowadays, um, we decided it'd be a good idea for us to try and find some more scousers. So we went, we went searching. We had some 
connections that I uh, did a bit of asking around. We, we soon got concocted a group of us and it's been growing ever since. So I'm happy to uh, report that there's actually a fair few of us now. There's more than 20 in the group chats and that's just in our year alone, which I think is brilliant because, as you say, not many people get in from Liverpool, uh, the northwest in general, never mind specifically Liverpool. Uh, so there's there's a lot of us. So we went out a few times in Liverpool before we came to Oxford, and that's that was one of my favourite memories of summer because it's kind of like these are new these are new people, you know, these are Oxford people. But if this is just a taste, imagine when you get there. So we kind of I was very excited to come after having met uh, the Oxford Scousers as we called ourselves. Unfortunately, there's not many Everton fans amongst the Oxford Scousers, so I know uh, two Everton fans, or three maybe, but it, this is actually quite a, a, a rogue story. I was sitting at the match one time, and it must have been August now, just before I came, and I was speaking to people around me who had the season ticket for six years now, so you get to know the people, and they, you know, they were saying, my dad was saying, oh, he's last few games for Lou, you know, he's le- he's leaving, and this guy next to me goes, well, where are you going? So I was telling him Oxford, and the guy sitting directly in front of me, and one seat to the right, spins around like that, and he goes, did you just say you were going to Oxford? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, so am I. But I just thought it was so random that there's a tiny amount of people in Liverpool and then, you know, a tiny amount of people in Liverpool who go to Goodison Park to watch a match and of those, like, 40,000 people that I was sitting next to the one guy who was also going to Oxford. But, there's yeah, there's more of us than you'd expect and hopefully more to come in the future. And, Karim, if we talk more about your student days now... Um, what are your favourite memories of being a student, not just at Oxford, but also at New College as well? Um, well, we were always very proud of the bar. And the thing about it was, and this was dangerous in a way, was that you could just, if you'd worked late a particular evening, you could just wander over there and you'd be someone you knew there to go and talk to. Um, and it was that kind of like support, in a sense, a sort of support network. And one of the things that was pretty imp- incredible, actually, was the, the, the college library, um, which just having that resource there, which I did not use anywhere near as much as I should have done the first time around. But the, the, you know, that, that was, um, it's just you, you, when you leave and you go on sort of work and, and so on, the, 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 you kind of look back and go, that's ridiculous that we had this sort of resource there that we could just go and sort of dip into um and i loved um i really the thing that i found amazing was everybody there is one of the most enthusiastic people from their school for that subject um and so everybody wanted to talk about it so you'd go into lectures or tutorials or whatever and people would be wittering on about the topic as you left um, and you know you carry it on in the bar, or you carry it on in the common room, or you carry it on. Um, and I thought I think that is something that's really underestimated: is that the learning process is supposed to be together, um, and there's a reason why you kind of put people in groups for these things, um, and you meet people who share your interests and share your outlooks, and actually share those interests in common, but might be totally different in their views about everything. You know, you might be like. 
oh, thank goodness, you know, we had all the lockdowns, otherwise we'd have had COVID out of our ears, and you've got someone there going, oh, no, we should never have done that, you know, whatever, or whatever. And the, but they're all, will, all, all willing and capable of arguing it in a polite um, and quite well-informed way. And that's part of the thing of why PPE is so interesting, is just that kind of everybody's bringing a different perspective to the table and they're willing to sort of be open-minded about it. And in terms of working life, Karen, when, when did you start to think about potential career paths that you, that you might want to follow? Part of what's great about what's available here is excellence, and you can't be excellent at lots and lots of different things. You have to focus a bit and go, actually, this is what I really care about. Um, and so by almost by default, I ended up doing more and more of the student politics rather than uh, the other stuff. Um, which might or might not have been, it wasn't a conscious choice, it was just what I was good at. Um, and that sort of just led me into working in for the Labour Party initially and, 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 and in politics generally over the course of 10 or 15 years. And I think there's, uh, there was never a moment when I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Um, it just became something that became more and more of some, something I was really interested in. A lot of my friendship group was involved in it and, 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 and so on. I would say um, if I had my time again, I'd be much more mindful of, about that and, and actually think what's going to stretch me and, and make me get, get me a skill that I'm, that, that, that's different to that. And maybe I would have done more of the journalism than, than the politics. And what was your career path? So after you finished, you mentioned the Labour Party. What? Yeah, uh, so I did I did uh, two or three years working in sort of youth politics, so sort of chair of Labour students and then being the, the youth officer for the Labour Party and those kind of things. Uh, worked on the 2005 general election campaign, um, which was a really fantastic experience, working in the West Midlands, working on kind of senior politician visits, um, so organising for, you know, Jeff Hoon to go and launch something in... Burton or something like that or you know Alan Johnson doing something in Tamworth or you know that kind of thing and Blair and Brown coming to town and all that kind of stuff so that was fascinating uh, and then I went after sort of that did a bit of work my way up through the sort of policy side of things so you did a bit of local government policy work uh, ended up working the low party policy unit on education policy which is how I came into contact with um, Ed Balls, who uh, was Secretary of State for Education at the time, uh, and we sort of, he f- saw something in what I was able to contribute and, and asked me to go and work for him full time, which I did throughout the opposition years, sort of 2010 to 2015, which was great, really interesting, learned a huge amount. And he, you know, if you're talking about PPEists, he's the uh, kind of ultimate PPEist, I guess. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a really interesting, uh, really interesting learning experience working with him. Uh, and then he lost his seat in 2015 and I had to make a decision, do I want to stay in the political world or go and learn something about, I guess, quotes, the, the real world um, and just started applying for jobs in business, really, um, and ended up working at uh, first Facebook for five years and uh, and then, yeah, been been sort of working in tech policy ever since and so now working at, at LinkedIn, you know, looking at the regulatory questions around how do we regulate tech and make it sort of... Uh, deal with the sort of the changing way the economy works, um, changing way that, that people communicate online uh, and, and, and those kind of quite interesting questions. And Lewis, have you started to think about possible career paths that you might want to follow? My thing is trying as many things as I can while I still can try them rather than having to dive into them. In terms of, you know, being ready 
for the the um, challenge, I suppose, of finding myself, forging myself a path. I'm I'm trying to prepare myself for it, but I wouldn't go so far as say, oh, you know, I want to do this and I want to work here, and I'll just see where life takes me in a way. And as somebody who, as path has has led them from Calderstones to New College, you now work on the Step Up program as one of our ambassadors. You meet lots of school children as a result of that. But if you could give one piece of advice to someone who perhaps hasn't thought about applying to Oxford before, what one piece of advice would you give that particular person? So this is going to sound probably very cliche, but my piece of advice is just do it. You know, just look into it, find out more about it, and then... When it comes to it, you know, you get five university choices. It's it's one of them. And I've had some of the best experiences of my life so far in the last eight months by having just done it and just bit the bullet and thought, yeah, you know what, what you know, what can be so bad about applying? Just, yeah, just just go for it. And, um, Karen, as we mentioned at the start, this podcast is called 72 Weeks because on average that's how long an Oxford degree lasts for, PPE included. Um, if you could relive those weeks again, what, if anything, would you do differently? And, and secondly, to finish, what one piece of advice would you give Lewis right now as a first-year PPE student? So, you know, I've had 20 years to sort of look back at this and sort of, I guess, the, the, th- the first thing I would say is um, that's that point about not spreading yourself too thin. Um, you know, really pick what you're interested in. And do it. I mean, I did everything, you know, a bit of everything, and I, and it was great. And I was, I sort of run, ran myself ragged. But actually, um, if I'd have, I think I would like to have spent more time with my tutors, more time with the books, more time in college with the people that were in college. Because the thing is that the student societies and the the, the things that you can get involved in, they're great, but they are often quite a lot of the same type of people whereas in college it is that diversity of people and you know people from all kinds of different backgrounds mixing together Um, and I was one of those people that was just out there doing university societies and stuff like that which was great but I would have probably focused on one or two of those and really done them well and done more time in college more time with the chiefs because the thing is the one thing you will not replicate when you leave is that ability to spend quality time with some of the foremost kind of experts in their field. I would have found it fascinating to have learned even more from those people uh, and from my peers in college. Um, and and I think that's... Uh, and, and actually the friends that I have from university days, um, some of the closest ones were college friends, actually, who I had not no kind of activities in common with. We were just sort of got together as mates and... Um, and that was a big part of it. So that's what I would say. And um, on that note, can I just say a big thank you to Lewis Fisher and to Karen Pallant uh, for joining me this afternoon and, and having a chat. Thanks very much, both. Thanks, Dan, for hosting us. No yeah, it was lovely to pop back.